We're heading back into school in the fall and a whole bunch of new things. And each week there's new uh, unfolding schools start at different times now and the, kind of the beginning of that journey. And then it will be the state fair and you'll eat too much and there'll be a whole lot of other things that come up. But as we move forward, one of the things that I really I want to challenge you is to consider that maybe, maybe this can be a new year for you. This can be a new season for you. And uh, everything that I'm going to talk about in today's message is going to be related to that. I want to uh, just kind of share a little bit of what happened with Jody and I. And over the last month or so, we disconnected from our normal rhythms. So we shut off social media. We weren't involved. I wasn't preaching every week. I'm glad to be back. But I, I was disconnected from that. And when you pull away from kind of your normal rhythms and routines, you have an opportunity to pay attention to your own heart. And I had an opportunity to look at my own heart, think about what's going on in our story and for Jody and I, and, and then also to observe and to think differently about the big picture about what's happening in this generation, in our society, in the church. Had an awesome time of, of prayer. I also read a book. I've read several books, but one of the books that I read um, by a great book by Gordon MacDonald really introduced a story to me that I had not heard of. And it was related to a point in American history in the 1860s. There was something called the Transcontinental Railway that was put together. Now, what it was is there's, of course, in the map, you'll see that there's a, a disconnect from east and west. And as America was founded, it was mostly founded on the east coast, and it moved west in its expansion. And uh, there were tons of people on the west coast, but we couldn't get supplies to them. There was no pathway of supply. And so they built a railroad to connect east and west, and it was called the Transcontinental Railroad. Of course, that was a complex project. It covered a thousand, hundreds of thousands of square miles and multiple governments and funding structures. And it took about a decade to get everybody on the same page. And uh, while I was, I was reading this book, I, I became aware of a, a, a dynamic in the process where they were excited to start the whole thing off. And there was a group of California people who decided that there ought to be a great ceremony. A host of dignitaries were invited to gather at the place where the first rail was to be laid. And one of the key California uh, political and financial influencers refused to attend this celebration. And this is what he said. If you want to jubilate or celebrate over driving the first spike, go ahead and do it. I don't. Anybody can drive the first spike but there are months of labor and unrest between the first and the last spike. I have with me a railroad spike. And uh, when you put a rail railway together, of course, there's the, the wood and then there's the rail itself. But the thing that holds it all together is the spike. And what he was referring to, of course, is that we're only just beginning the story. And uh, I think that in life, we celebrate first spikes too often. We get so excited about the dream, but not the finishing of the dream, not the completion of the journey. And when we think about first spikes, sometimes we romanticize the dream and forget that there's a journey from beginning to completion. True? Whether it's in marriage or it's in raising kids or it's in life, 
And in our modern culture, we are a culture that quits quickly. We're used to canceling a subscription. I'm done with that app. I'm over with that show. And when you are constantly quitting things, it gets too easy to quit. And what I want to talk to you about today is that there's a type of faith that God offers us. The kingdom of God is available for you to not just be a starter, but a finisher. That you can finish the race. That you don't have to stay where you are. You can finish. It's hidden within the biographies of Scripture. If you look at somebody like Joseph, this dreamer in Genesis, who got a dream, but he didn't fulfill or walk into that dream till years later. He got the first spike of a dream, but how many know God had to take him on a journey to get there? Or you look at David, who was anointed as a boy in the field to be a king, but several decades later, it actually happened. But Jesus, he comes to the earth. He came with one purpose. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to die on the cross for you and I. And how many know he went all the way in 33 years? So from the beginning of announcement to the completion of announcement requires a particular type of faith that the Bible and the kingdom of God offers. I want you to look with me at Philippians chapter one, verse six. It says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God started a good work, but how many know he's going to finish it? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not over. (laughs) It's not over. The title of my message today is this, The Last Spike. The Last Spike. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul is speaking to the church, and he says this in verse 12. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to be taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a type of faith that Paul is reflecting that is a resilient faith. It's an ability to keep going despite our obstacles. There are reasons to quit. There are reasons sometimes that people give up. In our history, it could be our memories. It could be shame or rejection or failure. We can face resistance from the forces around us, both physical and people, as well as spiritual. We also can have distractions where we forget the big vision and we chase little visions. Resilience is the ability to bounce back and keep going. We live in this era of quitting, of giving up, of forgetting the call. Some people have great success and they forget the original mission or their why. But Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. I want you to take everything that's behind you and refuse to let it stop you from finishing as you move forward. Now, he's not saying you ignore it because the past can stop you. 
If I were to look at the whole room and each of our locations and I were to spend time talking to you, and as I asked you questions about your story, and I said, so what's stopping you from going all the way? Many times, you know what happens? It's something in the past. Somebody said something about me, I messed up, and something in the past controls you. Listen, we need to deal with our yesterdays. Your yesterday should not stop you. In fact, I, I believe in the kind of hope in the word that you can be free from your yesterdays. The, 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 the gospel isn't just about you just getting saved. It's also about you being transformed so you have confidence to step into the dreams that God does have for you. I'm not saying ignore it, but in God's kingdom, we can learn to forgive, to seek help, to find deliverance and find freedom. And knowing Jesus is finding freedom. It's also meaning submitting those are things to God. Forgetting isn't ignoring. It's doing something with it. It's taking it God's way. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, I press on. I, I'm going to keep going. And he has a goal. Did you know that there is a goal for every one of us? That every person is a follower of Jesus. You're not just getting saved and waiting around until he returns. You have purpose to your life. You matter. And you need to keep putting those spikes in until you hit the final one. There is purpose to your story. And he says, on toward, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. God doesn't make us losers. He's called us to win. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a winner. <laughs> if you're with Jesus, you're a winner. You're going to win this thing. And he has called me heavenward. Your journey started with the whisper of God speaking to you. Somewhere in your history, God made you aware of your own need for him. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world with regard to sin. You couldn't even come to God without him talking to you. He did it. And when God came and he got a hold of you and he forgave you of your sin, woo, there's a lightness, there's a gratitude, there's a wow to that, right? Like, I can't believe I'm a daughter of heaven. I'm a son of God. I can't believe I can be a part of this. That's the calling. The calling isn't just to him and salvation, but it's also his voice. Because as you follow him, it's not a short-term journey. Those of you that came to Christ when you were in middle school or high school, it wasn't meant for just that season of your life. You're meant to be a follower of Jesus for your whole life. Long-term faith, long-haul faith. To think long, to see long. We have to operate this way when we think of things in our life because the temporary matters in front of us often shut us down, prevent us from pursuing the future. To press in means that you've got to press through sometimes. And sometimes what you see in front of you may make you want to quit and give up. If you're a parent and your kids go through, now we're at the age, Jody and I, where we can see them at various seasons and stages of our life. There were moments of the story where we did not like everything our kids did. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? 
And if we think that's all they're ever going to be, we have short-term faith. But we need to have long-term faith when it comes to our view of the next generation. That may be who they are right now, but that's not who God's called them to be in the long run. And let me tell you this, parents, if you got kids right now that are on the run from God or they hate you and things aren't working out so right, they cannot outrun your prayers. You can pray them through. That's long-term faith. Long-term faith. Don't get worried just about today in the moment. Persevere. Paul says the goal is to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Ultimately, at the end of the story is heaven. So if you're not in heaven yet, and I have news for you, Minnesota is not heaven. If you're not in heaven yet, you're not done. The calling is toward heaven. So those railroad tracks that you're on, it's taking you further and even if you're in a different season of your life than you remember a favorable season when you were younger, it doesn't matter. You're not done. I don't even see retirement in the scripture. I see people change jobs. They don't lose their purpose. People that give up, and there's a lot of people that their entire purpose is their job. And when they lose their job, they die. The other side is true. Some people are like preparing for retirement, but that doesn't mean that you take a break on your purpose on the earth. You just transition. Maybe you're getting your money from somewhere else. Now you can give more of yourself to the mission of God. Amen. Come on, somebody. Not just sit somewhere on a, on a boat and just enjoy the sun 24-7. Jesus didn't come to just make you a fisher of fish. He came to make you a fisher of men. Come on, somebody. There's more to your life than just that. In order to go that long term requires gritty faith. You got to have that dog in you. That capacity to go through some tough stuff. When it gets hard and everybody else is quitting, you don't quit. You keep moving forward. It transcends every decade of your life. It's the ability to persevere in trial. And that kind of faith makes you stronger. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Don't just stop with suffering and whine about it. It's going to produce something if you, in you if you persevere. When I was younger growing up, I would whine a little bit when I didn't like things going on. Oh, I hate this. Why can't we have what everybody else has? Why is it like this? And my mom, she didn't have none of that. She'd say, oh, the Lord's just producing character in you, honey. And I hated it when she said that. How we know she was right. You don't get stronger by avoiding tough times. You get stronger by going through tough times. That's how it develops. He says it produces, suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Stay on that railway, baby. Keep moving. Don't stop. Don't opt out. Don't wish for the absence of the issue. Work through it. I think that sometimes God allows us to stay in a particular stage 
because we don't learn the lesson we need to learn. I want to lean into it. Bring it on, Lord, and bring with it every promise that you have so I can be stronger for the next thing. It was just a couple years ago, about four or five years ago, that I I went through some physical challenges and we couldn't figure it out and went to Mayo Clinic and back and forth. And, you know, when you're going through the unknown, you're like, you think about the worst possible things, right? And in that time period, I had to learn to just trust the Lord while I was preaching every Sunday morning and while I went through. And I thought, what is this for? And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I don't, I, I don't even know how to describe it to you, church. But God gave me supernatural strength throughout that first year of COVID when we were trying to make decisions about are we going to be open or not and mask or not and all the, all the various things and the politics of it and emails and people in the church fighting and all the whole world upside down. God gave me strength. You know where my strength came from? The previous trial. You have no idea that the trial you're walking in through now is getting you ready for the next one. You're like, well, are you prophesying tough times for me? No, I'm prophesying strength for you. I'm prophesying that God is going to use you. You can do this. You can do difficult things. Say this with me. I can do difficult things. To turn to the person next to you and say, you can do difficult things. <laughs> That's exactly what the scripture says. The writer of Hebrews spoke to people in severe persecution. Unlike anything that we really go through, we have first world problems. But most of us don't have a parallel in our lives. However, those scriptures can have great value to us today. In Hebrews chapter 10, this is what the author of Hebrews says to us. It says, you need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Come on, somebody. You are not a quitter. If you're in the body of Christ, you will persevere. You can make it. Stay on the journey, and you need to persevere. And if you do, there is a reward in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we, what? Don't give up. God is going to shape something in you. Last night, we had my family over on our deck. And, uh, and I looked over and I saw my niece, Erica, with a big smile. She was showing off her teeth. You see, she just got her braces off. And now she was showing off. Those big pearly whites, right? How many of you have ever had braces? You had braces? Do you know... Uh, and you have to share with those that have never had them just how tough it is. But when they put braces on, they do, do it because teeth are out of alignment. They're crooked. Something's not right. And so they put these brackets on the teeth, and then they, they have 
rubber bands between that are tightened monthly. And uh, when they go through a tightening, it cranks on those teeth to pull them in, and it's very painful. Am I right? And so when that happens, each time it happens, it can feel as though you're right back where you were before. It's not working. How come I'm in just as much pain as I was last time? But it is working because every time that it's tightened, it's pulling that tooth into being straight. And now the mouth is going to align the way it should be. That's the way it is with God's discipline and what he allows us to walk through at times. We're like, why am I dealing with this again? Why am I frustrated with this again? Well, if you're submitted to God and you're allowing him to be your leader, then what will happen is he'll help you persevere through the pain, but he's bringing you into alignment. Some of us have got a whole bunch of dysfunction in our history, and we need God to lead us out of the dysfunction. And the way he'll lead us out is through tough times. Difficult things. If you run away every time you get in a disagreement with somebody or something happens, you're never going to grow. You're going to go up to one rung of the ladder and see another ladder, and you're going to jump off of one ladder, go to the next ladder, and get to the same rung and get stuck. You have got to learn to persevere and move through difficult things. Can I get an amen to that? You're like, Pastor, that's pretty tough. Yeah, that's called... Taking that spike in, uh, building that railway, let it keep going. So how can we persevere to the last spike? Let me give you three things, three ways for you to persevere. The first one is this, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, which by the way, Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter before it is called the chapter of uh, Hall of Fame of Faith, really. It's person after person who persevered. If you're going to get encouragement, read stuff like that. You're not the only one going through stuff, all right? But as we turn the corner out of that group of people, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, i.e. those people, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with what? Perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Every believer needs to look to Jesus. Recognize you're not alone. There's a cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. I've got people there, my grandma and my grandpas and, and people that have prayed for me. They're, they're, they're cheering me on. I, I, got, I got to remember, I'm not alone in this. Don't listen to the lie that nobody sees you. You're noticed. Jesus, though, as you look to him, you need to know this about him. Jesus is a finisher. He didn't quit. He persevered through all of the obstacles. And you may not have, have had anyone model perseverance for you while you were growing up. So look to Jesus as your model. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 
for I can do some things through Christ. But what does it say? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You want to persevere? You need Jesus to help you persevere. You can do anything. You can battle any circumstance, and he will help you. Think about all of Jesus' obstacles. All the people that fought him, murdered him. Think about the internal battle that he faced. He sweat droplets of blood the night he was betrayed and in prayer. That's how internal the anxiety and the struggle was. Listen, you can find hope by looking to Jesus. How much have you looked to Jesus as your model for perseverance? You know, when I think of Jesus, I think of somebody that showed us how to do it. Uh, this past week, I was out to eat, and, uh, and up to the table comes one of the former uh, Little League football players that I was the coach for. It was Eric Carlson. And Eric comes up, and uh, he's an adult now. He's in his career. He's taken off and everything. But as he walks up, you know what he said? Hey, coach. You know, it's been a long time since I coached him, but he still sees me as his coach. And uh, as we were talking, he says, I, I still use some of the phrases you gave us that you made us say before we went to practice, because nobody wants to go to practice. Everyone wants to just play in the game. And, and the phrase that I had taught all of the teams over the years was, we do what we have to do so we can do what we want to do. And so I had to, and I showed him how to do that as a coach. I persevered. They followed my way, and they're still running. When we think of what Jesus showed us, he did what he had to do so that we could do what we want to do. And the perfect thing about Jesus is Jesus had a vision of the future. He had a vision of what could be. He kept his eyes on the prize, if you will. How can we persevere to the last spike? Number two, tuck in close to the Holy Spirit. Tuck in close to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, looking at his disciples, knew what their journey would be like ahead of them. And he was going to be gone. So he gives them this final instructions in John chapter 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. That's what we have to follow. Jesus says, listen, the Spirit's going to teach you when you hit your moments. The Spirit's going to help you when you don't know what to do. The Spirit is the one that will guide you. Don't be afraid. God's going to help you by his Spirit. But the only way that you can tap in to what the Spirit wants to lead you with is if you actually seek him. If you're actually spending time opening up the channel of communication for the Holy Spirit to speak with you. Next week, we begin a brand new series here at Emmanuel uh, called In Tune. And it's about our frequency matching God's frequency. 
Sometimes I think we operate and we're disconnected. We're not tuned in. We're not locked in. But I want you to know that the kingdom of God is available for any circumstance anybody under the sound of my voice is going through. He gets you. He understands you. But you got to tap into the Holy Spirit to allow him to lead you as Jesus promised the disciples he would do. Literally, how you handle the situations that you are in must involve the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what should I do? What is the mind of Christ in this situation? How do I handle this argument I'm in with my spouse? What, I, what do I do with this difficulty at work? How should I handle it? How many know if I don't tap into the Holy Spirit and I just take it from here on my own, I might get in trouble. But how often is it that we lean on our own understanding? We kind of do it our own way and then we ask him to get us out of trouble later on. The Holy Spirit will help us from anywhere. I love what Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, I just think as a church, how many of you heard last week and you heard Pastor Lee speak about prayer? And prayer, a praying church is a church that's connected to God. I'm challenged by that because I'm thinking, Lord, help us to be the kind of church where we're ready to respond to the needs around us the way I saw the church in Maui this week. If you haven't seen on the news and what happened with the, the, the fires that spread across Maui, specifically the town of Lahaina, where it literally wiped out an entire town. Near 100 people are dead. Buildings gone. Jody and I had been to Maui and uh, had worshipped in a church called King's Cathedral. And they have several locations around the Hawaiian Islands and around the world, but they had one in Lahaina that burnt down. The church that we had visited was kind of the hub church, the broadcast location, a larger location. Instantly, when this thing happened, the government looked to that church as a, as a part of the solution for the crisis that they were in. And the church, sure enough, became a place of hope to the whole communities around the island. They've housed hundreds of people in their building every night this week. The church globally and locally there have energized and they've stepped in and they've begun to provide supplies of all kinds for little babies and children and, and vulnerable people and medicines. And they're, they're stepping in right at this hour. I just even ask Emmanuel, pray for kings. Pray for that church because they're making a difference. And this week, because you give the kingdom builders, we already sent them money this week because you are making a difference in Maui right now. You are. We're also working with Convoy of Hope and our partners Convoy of Hope are also bringing supplies in as, it, as they can across the ocean to bring it into those high places. Here's my point. A church 
that is available and connected to the Holy Spirit and is pursuing a high calling of God is able to do what God has called them to do. We're able to do it. That's why that third thing is this. How can we persevere till the last spike is we need to pursue a fresh calling to finish until that last spike. In other words, we need to have updated callings, refreshed. We can't have old web pages on our life. We got to consistently be connected to God saying, I need you, lead me. In every decade of our life, there's different questions that we walked through. When I was in middle school and high school, my questions were very different than they are now, but they were real nonetheless. And if you're in middle school or high school, you can call upon Jesus and God can give you a fresh calling and understanding of who you are. Your identity is in God, not in just what other people tell you. It's found in the word of God and you can trust God. You don't need to be insecure. But even as you move along into your 20s and you're trying to figure out if you're going to get married, you're going to have a career or whatever it is that you're going to do. And you think about those things and you're in your 20s right now. I remember those years, the uncertainty of it. Man, church felt different for me during those years. What am I trying to do? And then, of course, I got married. And I remember when then we had a child and then we had another one and then we had another one. And we had four kids. And, and that filled up all of our schedule. And pretty soon we found ourselves being in a place where it was like, where do I have time for a fresh calling? I'm just trying to survive. But I say, even in the middle of those kind of moments, we need to lean in and say, oh God, I need you. My family needs you. I can't live off of 10 years ago. I need a fresh touch from you. And as we move along and we hit the, the 40s and we're kind of moving along and then our kids started moving out and got married and left the payroll. Come on, somebody. We entered a new season where we got gobs of more time than we used to have. And many people in my peer group, they hit that stage. They use it to disconnect from the rest of the world and they stop calling upon God. And if you find yourself in that place, I just say to you this, listen, you need to keep pounding until the last spike. You cannot give up, get diverted or build something else. You will end up your life as an empty person. But I guarantee you, God is not done with you yet. Even into the future years, including me, I plan on being here at least 10 more years. Come on, somebody. I got more time ahead of me. But when the time comes and I get to hand a baton off of leadership, it doesn't mean I'm done fulfilling the call of God. That was an assignment. I'm going to move into the next thing that God has called me to do until the last spike. Remember that story when construction of the railroad was finally completed in May of 1869, a last spike, a golden one at that, which I have one here, spray painted, lest you think you can steal this and make a lot of money. A last spike, a golden one at that, was pounded into place, and two locomotives, one from the east and the other from the west, moved until they touched. And at that moment, a telegram was sent to President Ulysses S. Grant. Sir, we have the honor to report that the last rail is laid. The last spike is driven. The Pacific Railroad 
is finished. We are all looking for the day when we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hebrews 10, 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Would you stand with me today, church? Mm. Got two spikes in my hand. One is about our daily. Stand true to who God has called you to be. There are people under the sound of my voice that there are some areas in your life, to be honest, you felt like quitting or giving up. It could be in a relationship that you're in. It could be in the commitments that you have to stay pure and to stay holy. You got to stay on that pathway. And I want to encourage you to hear this message. Get back on track, baby. Just remember to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. And remember, it's not all just doldrums and pain and hurt. There is a vision out for you. It says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Get your eyes on the prize. This is just temporary. There's something bigger that you're living for. Don't ever give up. Don't quit. I just believe that God is wanting us as a church to have long-term, long-haul faith, that we can do difficult things, that we don't have to whine, that God is going to develop character in us, that we are getting stronger, come on somebody, and that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. And I know that you and I are all ordinary people. We all go through stuff, but all of us need Jesus. And so before we sing together and, and we move on in the service, I want to encourage you to lift up your eyes and get your focus off the other stuff and onto Jesus. In fact, if you can't, just close your eyes. Lift up your hands to heaven and just say, you know, Jesus, I trust you. Thank you that you love me, that you know me. There's been a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of things in the way. But thank you for not letting me quit. Thank you for, Lord, the promise of resilient faith that I can do this, that I can move through this, that your strength is my strength. I'm trusting in you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give hope to marriages that are on the brink of divorce. I pray, God, that you give them the hope that they can persevere if they bow their knee and they let you build the railway through them and do things your way to cut free from the sin that so easily entangles. I pray that you would help them. I pray, God, that those that have thought about giving up on this pathway of following you because they don't have friends, I pray that you'd help them to stick in there, hang in there, so that, Lord, they receive the joy, the vision of what is ahead, and let your glory fill your church. May we be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength and the capacity to do what you've called us to do. We ask you. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.